Hello, loyal subjects. It's me, Jenny. Back with a dosh. Yeah, I figured why not do a singing intro? <laughs> Liven it up a little bit here. <laughs> we oh, are my. here on this fabulous October morning. Um, even though it may not be morning when you're listening, but it's morning when we're recording and it's fabulous. So too bad you weren't listening in the morning if you're not. <laughs> I feel like most people will be listening in night anyway, so it'll be dark in if you're there in the Midwest, anywhere honestly, it just gets dark real quick <laughs> by this time of the year. Yeah, really. Although it's still nice and warm out, which that is, is surprising. True. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying the uh, 70 degree Midwest weather in October. It's a very rare sighting. It's 85 here, 85 in Nashville. I was like, I love this, but I want my fall weather. But I've heard that the fall weather basically is winter weather. <laughs> Our winter is fall. So I've heard. I mean, I'll take it. Better than snow. And apparently, if it only snows like an inch here, we don't have to, like, they close everything because no one knows what they're doing. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, there's no snow plows down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Chicago's got all the snow plows in the U.S., so a little different in concept. And Milwaukee. Yeah. Although Milwaukee has no salt. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, prone to accidents uh, in Milwaukee, I will say. From personal experience? Yeah, I, uh, I 360 I think, last winter. Like, outside of my work, I was leaving at noon. It was snowing probably, like, three inches. I took my sedan at the time, just started trying to drive, and I 360 in my car, and then somehow landed facing forward at the stoplight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, never again. We're just going to go super slow. He's totally kidding everybody. He totally planned that. He wanted it to be super cool. Wanted to do like a donut in the parking lot. Yeah, no. I was going like fast and furious, just like trying to copy their concept of uh, how they drive, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a surprise. It was all yeah, planned. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, well, it's not weather or wow, okay. Well, it's not winter. English is hard. <laughs> Today we are going to be answering some questions from our um, followers and our listeners. So I think the first one that we're going to discuss is industries you should get into versus industries that are dying. Am I correct? Yes, we are correct. That is the first one we're going to hit on. Woo! Check green yes for Jenny for getting it right because she doesn't remember the agenda because Darsh is our organizational person who keeps all this because I just would forget. I think I would too honestly unless I put in notes. Shout out to Apple Notes really keeping me organized. It's somewhere on a note file on my phone. That's the only thing like very reliant on my phone nowadays so it's been uh, the only way to stay in check but back to the topic. What industries are dying versus what you should be getting to. I, I think we talked about it before we started recording, like industries that are dying. I think we talked about the trade industry. I think like any manual trade, yes, it is a very good paying industry right now just because of a labor shortage in the industry, but it's an industry that's dying. So if you think about it, manufacturing has moved abroad in most, most states and most companies, they've really pushed for global manufacturing. And the trade industry is not something that's growing. There's a labor shortage. They can't find younger talent to replace a lot of these people that have worked in 20, 30 years. Great examples, the, I think the automotive industry, the steel industry, and then like a farming industry, those three industries 
the I think the average age is a lot higher compared to like industries that are becoming more prominent. And I think that's what the challenge is, right? How do you fill that void? And I think that's a, correct me if I'm wrong, Jenny, but like that's a conceptual flaw in the way we push education. We're like, we should go for four-year schools. We shouldn't be pushing for trade schools because that's how you make it to the top, right? That's how you make the million dollars. That's how you make the bank. That's how we're so inclined to focus nowadays that you should get that four-year degree and then go work at a big time firm or some bigger company and then working at like a more smaller trade manufacturing style firm. No, I definitely, definitely see that. I don't know if you are finished with your thought. Yeah, I was. I was. Okay. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to cut you off here. Um, I definitely agree that we are pushed to go to a four-year college or even beyond that because people with your bachelor's and master's and PhDs, oh, you're going to make all the money. You're going to be in a shit ton of debt, but you're going to make a lot of money. But I feel like trade schools and the trades are totally overlooked. And I think, like you said, it's a dying industry because of the labor shortage. Like I, when my mom would call someone to come look at something in the house, I don't ever remember being there like a young guy who is in his like 20s or 30s, like answering that call. It's always an older person. And I think that's just because of the stigma of like the trades are bad, the trades are bad. It's like you actually can make a decent amount of money. I don't know what the average salary is. I'll Google it real fast. But like <laughs> um, I feel like it's just overlooked and you can't outsource that. You can't like what are you going to do? Have like someone fly in from another country to take a look at what, what's wrong in your house? No, it's going to be someone that's nearby. So, like, there's always going to be demand for it. Yeah, that's true. You are right there. I mean, but we're hypocrites because we did go to four-year college. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, we're, we're admitting that there is a flaw in the way we, the concept of way we push things, especially in high school. I know the push was, like, you got to go to a four-year institution or go to community college and then move to, like, a four-year university. That culture is there. It's, like, it's super hard to not get dealt into it like I can't say anything personally because I'm going towards a master's degree so I'm kind of in the flaw itself but like I know what I want to do a lot of people don't know what they want to do and they kind of get thrown into the fire like I'll go to a four-year institution figure it out maybe even do a fifth year get all this loans and then struggle like you come out of college and you don't have a sustainable platform like you, you can't find an opportunity and you try to stay at home you got all this debt you got to pay off like it's going to hurt you in the long run. It's not possible for you to be successful, but I know people that did the two year or like three years at like a community college, go for like a year at like a four year institution, have less debt and have the same kind of paying job that we do. So they're doing the same thing. It's, it's a very misconception, I think, in our current philosophy. And that's why like industries, like anything labor oriented, very labor intensive is dying because people like we can just throw automation at it we're just okay using that expenditure and just spending the money to like not have the people but i'm like the only reason like ford was successful was because of the people it wasn't like they still have auto like automation but like they still have like so many labor workers that are behind the automation you still got to have a person building a car you can't just have a robot building it all like it's possible like we've seen it with toyota and like a lot of the japanese firms but there's still people operating those things <laughs> I think that's where we need to shift the conversation. Like, how do we get these people to take those labor, non-labor intensive jobs, but like to 
focus on building your education towards that automation? How do we develop them further? Because those industries are dying, but like they could also be the next hotbed of like where the money is going to be because they're going to need people in that industry. Okay, I'm Googling trade salary <laughs> and there's a there's a variety of answers, but it seems like the median one is above 50,000. Which, like, it's actually really good. <laughs> like, if I was handy in any way, shape, or form and didn't rely on other people, because I'm not handy at all, I feel like I could do it. Like, that's not bad at all. Hmm. Did I go into the right career? That's a question we'll never know. I think we yeah. can, we should transition. And if we think about like dying industries, so I think the industries that, I think we're growing in some regards. Like if we talk about like industries that are growing, we always hear the the quintessential top three, like engineering, like IT, computer science, analytics, and then business. Those are like the three hotbeds of where everyone's gonna be. Like outside of you have some ambitions for political science and find a way to make a niche in that market. Like I'll consider that as the fourth, but those are the top four ones you're here in college. Maybe like even advertising digital media just because of the digital age we're in, but I consider that under like technology and like computer science, like I consider that under that umbrella, but I think those four umbrellas, correct me if I'm wrong, but those are where we see the most people going into outside of a four-year institution because that's where the money's at right now. We can't tell you where it's gonna be in 10 years. Like we can tell you the trends that we're seeing, but I think that's where we're going. You see the articles of like where the people are going out of college and where the demand is for people. So. I think it's challenging. That industry is a very challenging industry to get into, but it will definitely pay you well in the long run if you do the right things, as I call it. Right. Well, look at us. I went into IT and you went into business. Well, I mean, we both went into business because I went to business school. But, I mean, it's because the demand is there. That is true. And, I mean, just the other day I was sitting here thinking, I was like, did I do the right job? Like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Um, and in my head, I'm thinking, but it pays well. But it pays well, Jenny. Like, you make good money. And I was like, but am I happy? That's a whole nother topic. That's I think a whole nother discussion. You can find happiness in what you do. It, I think it matters, like, there's a matter of, like, finding the balance. Like, I think we all struggle with it. I think this past month for me at work has been, I call it the quintessential busiest I've ever been in my life. But... It's also like I cherish some of the work and I don't like all of it. Like, I'll be honest, like some of it's harder and like, it's sometimes like, hey, why am I doing this? You question yourself, everyone will. Like everyone I've, I've seen will question like, hey, why do we do it this way? Or why do I have to do this? Why can't we like make it more automated? But like, that's also a responsibility you're taking on. If you look at it in the positive line, like that's something you put on your resume and be like, hey, I did that. So I have the experience regardless if I stay at the company or if I move to some other role within the company or outside. There's experience you're gathering. I think like someone sent me an article. I think I've better talked to this about on another podcast. They were like the top five like programs coming out for graduate school programs were like software engineering, like anything like masters in IS engineering, anything like business oriented, like finance, supply chain, marketing. And I think the next one was like a master's in like health administration, healthcare administration. Those were like the top three like graduate school degrees. And I was like, okay, like MBA, I could see. 
like I could totally see the masters in IS computer science, just like taking that further step. I did not see the healthcare administration one, but I think that's a changing dynamic in the industry right now. People are asking for higher requirements. It is super hard, like even for entry level jobs. I sent a job to one of my friends that I knew in college. It's an analyst level role. <laughs> And they're calling it a mid-career level role for some experience that someone could have out of college. I think this is the issue why industries are dying and they're not also succeeding either. There's a middle ground why people are, I think the jobs report came out for September and it was the lowest it's been since the beginning of COVID. And it's, it's degrading because HR has really honed in on like saying, we need people with experience. We're not gonna take a shot on the young talent and develop them. And that's the worst thing you possibly can do, I think, for people our age. We're all willing to learn. Like I know a lot of people that are driven that don't have jobs because they can't find a company that will be willing to take a shot on them. Like I was lucky. I think Jenny was lucky. We got companies that would take a shot on us and they're developing us to be better leaders. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Like it's super hard to like just sit there day to day and be like, where do I see, am I, do I see myself in this role in five years? Like you can't see that self, see yourself like that just because you don't have the concept of where HR is going to develop you. Like, HR, I think, is the quintessential, like human resources, is the quintessential of how business succeeds and how business fails. I'm not saying get into that industry. <laughs> it's a very hard industry to get into just because you need a lot of experience and they, salary-wise, they don't pay the best, I'll be honest. But they're also the gatekeeper for you being successful and not being successful, right? I think that's what the challenging is for just this conversation. It's like, how do you see yourself in that industry's dying versus growing and how do you put yourself into it i think that's the question we're trying to hone in more on i it's hard to see right now i can't give you a straight answer from my side just because i can't tell you where the industry's going like i think day by day it shifts in the nature we're in and that's the worst part personally yeah you you never know everything changes depending upon what happens in the world like it's never set in stone um i think you bring up an interesting point about how for entry level jobs, people required you to have like five plus years experience. And Adarsh and I are both lucky. We, we both wound up in companies that were willing to take a chance on new, new uh, talent. And I feel like I wanna like kind of throw this question out there. If you were ever in a position to hire would you take a chance on new talent? Because in my mind, if I was in that position, I would. Because this is why. One, they are hungry to learn anything you will teach them. Two, they're not coming in thinking that they know everything and that they are superior to you. Three, you can teach them your way because you think that's the right way. It may not be, but it might be in your eyes. You can teach them the way that you know maybe you know some shortcuts on things or like some tricks that will like make something easier without sacrificing quality of course but like they are so willing to absorb any information that you want to share with them that like they're not going to sit there like a person in their 30s or who's 27 who thinks they're a hot shot and be like well I do it this way and you are wrong like I wouldn't want that mindset on my team I wouldn't want to be surrounded by that mindset I want to be surrounded, maybe it's, I'm saying this because I'm young, but I mean, I think any, any way, if I were ever in that position, no matter what time of my life, I would want someone who can grow with like what I'm teaching them 
and then take that and use it and then maybe eventually pass it on to another younger person. Take that chance on someone who doesn't have five plus years experience because sometimes the greatest minds and the greatest ideas come from that because they have different thinking. They're not set in the ways of the industry already. Yeah, it's on like I had a personal anecdote as you're talking about like just the way like taking a shot. There was a guy I met. He became my VP in my last internship before I started full time work. I met him two years like as a sophomore at Marquette. I think I've talked about the story. I never had a good GPA in my sophomore. Year. I was running a two four, like really rocking a two four, and I was okay with it at that point until I kind of like got hungry and was like, I got to start networking. I really got to make myself better. And we take this leadership development class. We had to take three of them during college. And like we have to interview, like get interviewed from like someone that's like a VP or like a local leader that's recruiting, basically. Like they act as a recruiter. And I met him as a sophomore and he's like, right now your GPA is not good enough for me to put you in the company. Like he tells me all this stuff, but I keep in touch with him over a two-year span, right? It comes to my second semester as a senior and I'm, I already got my internship. I'm finishing up. And he messages me out of the blue as I'm finishing up an internship. He's like, are you interested in working a semester for me? I know you got a full-time role that starts in June. Would you be interested for like a four months, man? You don't see this a lot, right? And it's because I constantly networked him like with him every two months. And it was because I was hungry at the time. A lot of people lose that hunger because they're like, I see all the negative mindsets. I think I told my fraternity guys this. When I got my first internship, it was after applying 500 times and getting rejections from all of them. If it fed the hunger, I was, was I negatively minded after like the first 10, 15? Yeah. Like, it hurts when you don't get any recognition or like even an interview, you're like, screw this, I don't want to do it. And I think that's the mindset that, and why I bring the anecdote is like, I kept working at it because like, we're not perfect, but the age demographic for us is we're going to work hard. And a lot of people don't realize this. I think I talked to someone at work who's like, he's my mentor at work. He's a, someone that's a senior leader. And like, we had a really good conversation this week about like, our business is not the best, like organizationally, like to a point where we're driving young talent into the business, but like, he said something that kind of like stood with me that you can challenge that concept of being, you can be the driver of change. He's a very proponent of driver change. He, his background was he didn't get into a rotational program right out of college, but his twin brother did. So he runs the joke that his twin, he did better, but his twin brother got the job. That's how they always run at it. And he started as an analyst. He's now a director, like in a eight year span, like, it's very rare to see like a director in eight years out of college, someone that's not like a rotational program of sorts, like not getting that well-versed experience. But he built the mindset, if I don't grow every two years, I'm going to switch jobs and try to get that growth somewhere else. I think that's what we struggle with because HR blocks that philosophy. And I'm a really proponent against the like component where HR should be recruiting versus hiring managers should do all the recruiting and like vetting and seeing all the candidates. Because I think that's where this like the big like issue is in turn off of our supply force of like bringing labor in and bringing that young talent. And I think that's where the challenge is. How do we devoid that void currently in our labor force to a point where we're bringing that young talent and developing them internally? Yeah, sometimes it's not going to pan out. I've seen it not pan out before in different companies. Like people just leave because they're like, well, screw this. We got the mindset I can do better somewhere else. And I get that. It happens. Like it's not, we're not in a perfect world where everything's going to go the right way. But you take a hiring manager, like the guy that I met two years ago, he, the first thing he told me was, I don't recruit kids with a 4.0 GP. He's like, if I recruited that way, they've never experienced failure in their life, especially in college. 
And that really hit me. I was like, man, I've been failing. There's no success. And like I was sitting there and I was like, okay, I got to show success. And that's where the ambition and the story became like more important to me is like, how do I phrase myself when I go into like recruiting and like how I tell people that are interested in my company or just interested in getting mentored? How do I drive them to be successful? And that's what the industry is. People are wanting mentors, but a lot of people are not willing to put that effort in and HR blocks all that. Cause like, they're like, we're just going to take the five, 10 years people and put them into an analyst role. We can put those people in the senior manager, director level roles and develop them there and bring someone that's a maybe a year, not even six months out of college and throw them in an analyst role. Let them learn from the best. Like, cause you definitely have a team around you that are doing really good things. You're telling me you can't teach them. That's one of the biggest issues in the industry and probably could be the downfall of most industry giants, I think in the next five to 10 years, unless they start changing their philosophy. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought in your own story in that because I remember when I got for my first internship, it happened between sophomore and junior year. I wasn't planning on getting an internship that year because I just was going to head home and continue working over the summer. And I got a call from Kelly. Um, For those of you in the business school, you know who Kelly is. She's awesome. Love her. She's the best. Um, I got a call from Kelly. I was like, hey, this company is still looking for an intern. Would you be interested? And I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Like, I don't have experience in any way, shape, or form in an internship. I was like, I really don't know, like, if they would even consider me because I'm not prepared at all. And I met actually with the manager who I'd be working with. So I was really, really excited because I was actually going to be meeting, like interviewing with that person. So it wasn't just some random HR lady who was like, oh, you don't have any experience and we're not going to hire you because they looked beyond that. They looked beyond my experience. And I actually got that role. And like the next day they called me, they're like, yeah, we want you. And it's just like, because I showed in the interview that, you know, I did fail in certain things. Like Adar said, I had, I struggled with school a little bit. And um, they took a chance because I just, I showed that I wanted it. And that I was willing to learn. And I was like, and I was honest. They said, look, I don't have that much experience in supply chain, but I want to learn because I fell in love with this major like, I think the whole concept of it is so interesting to me. And then I wound up in IT, but like, <laughs> um, I just, it's just nice to see that they actually took a chance to give you that experience when you didn't have it. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay it forward now. One day, if I'm ever in that position, I'm going to take that chance. I think it's a weird concept because I see it. It's hard because like you see the difference of where most companies can be. Like I see the quintessentials, like the leader industries, I call them in the tech industry, like Microsoft, Google, anything else. Like I I was just looking out of curiosity for one of my friends for jobs. And I see like entry level account represent. This is a salesperson. Keep in mind, this is a salesperson. They're asking five to 10 years of experience. I'm like, I sit there and I'm like, for a sales guy, you need five to 10, 10 years of experience. Like it's so bad the way industries are expecting like this well-versed talent. But I'm telling you right now, there are kids out of college that are probably smarter than someone that's five to 10 years experience that will drive to be better than any one of those people. 
because they're hungry. They want to learn. They want to be successful, as Jenny was saying, but they don't get that opportunity. It's very rare that you get that opportunity unless someone's willing to take a chance on you. And I think that's a conversation with anyone that's working full-time and you see that like in your HR departments, you see that like level of experience when you know like it shouldn't be, have that conversation. You can change things. Like I'm planning on speaking to our HR department about how we recruit and we can do better. Cause like I'm a big proponent of like our average age in the company coming down. Cause like, I don't see a lot of young people. I think there's out of, in the company, I know probably a lot of people and there's only like a few people that are under the age of 30. It's a hard sight to see right? You're always proponent of bringing young people, but you don't see it. I think that's a conversation you develop with a senior leader and bring HR and show like, hey, like these are the statistics about bringing young people and developing them. And that's how industries are successful. I think there's a company that does it really well. I'm trying to think and I'm blanking out. I think Harley. So we both worked at Harley. Me and Jenny started talking more at Harley. The big thing Harley did was they had this youth like bird program that a lot of the younger people got together and they would hear from a senior leader every month. And this would be cool. Cause like, think about it. A senior leader, someone that's a, a leader in the finance, like basically when they publicly report, they're talking in those public reporting. They're telling you where the business at, where their team is going to develop themselves forward. You don't get that opportunity everywhere. But if you see the average age at Harley, it's a lot younger than you think now. Like after the restructure and everything that went on, there's a lot more younger talent that has come into Harley because I think they reshaped their mindset saying, hey, we got to get younger talent in the door or we're going to have a dying industry and not get that new consumer insight to like, how do we reach that 20 to 30 year old demographic? People that are going to be buying their first home, first car. How do we get them to buy their first motorcycle? I think that's the industry mindset that needs to shift in a whole. And it's challenging. It's, it's not an easy conversation. Like this can, we could talk about this for hours on end for like what the industry is going and like what we see. But I think we'll kind of summarize, like going to tech, business, healthcare, like those are the top three, I would say like right on the market right now. And even poli sci, like if you go into like the analytics of political science, they pay a lot. The CNNs, Fox News is all of them. They pay a lot just for that crap because they know Everyone looks at the numbers nowadays. It's how you phrase the numbers with statistical anomalies you can show and say like, public rating is this in this demographic, blah, blah, blah. If you understand the economics and numbers of that, you can make so much money without even telling anybody you're doing it. Yeah, wow. Whoa, that was a lot. We shared a lot of information today. Mm -hmm. Dropping well, knowledge. Should we switch into a more funnier segment? Oh yeah, we do have a we have a little bit funnier of a topic here, just to liven the mood after being so serious for so long. Yeah, we will shout out one of my fraternity brothers, Jay. He did send this question in yesterday. He's a one of my close friends, and he gave a really funny question. It made me really think about this because I I honestly thought this is a really debatable question, even though it's really I consider it. I wouldn't even say dumb. It's just like one of the stupid funny questions. He asked, how many chickens will it take to kill an elephant? And I think we were debating this a little bit, right? If we think of an elephant, it's pretty big, right, Jenny? It's pretty huge in size. And it could probably stop. Are talking about an elephant or a baby elephant? I mean, not. Nah, I would say regular sized elephant, right? Those things are okay. mammoths. Mm -hmm. Like huge. And think of a chicken. Like, what is a chicken going to do to an elephant? And we're like, how many do you possibly think it would take to kill an elephant? And I was like, 
I don't even know if there's enough because like an elephant would just stop through all of them. Like it would just use its little tusk and just start going left to right, smacking them around and then stop it on the rest of them. I'm like, Jenny brought up, I think Jenny said this one, like they could stack up and I'm like, are chickens that smart to stack up on each other to get to an elephant? <laughs> all right, that's exactly what I said. Like would chickens like stack up to like get up there and like start pecking at the head? I don't, and then Josh goes, well, don't they have, like, pea-sized braids? <laughs> I, like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know the anatomy of a chicken. Like, this is I, so, okay, I, I want to know what Jay was on when he was thinking. We were playing, question. give hindsight, we were playing video games. So, like, he, I just asked him, I was like, guys, give me some questions. And he threw this question, I'm like, you know what, maybe, maybe we'll just throw it in there. Just we're going to hire Jay to be our creative director. <laughs> creative, <laughs> question, creative question maker. We'll just give it to him. Oh but my like, gosh. I said like maybe a million. Like that, that's like, I don't even know if that's a rough estimate because I could just see the elephant just walking through a million of them and not saying anything. He can't eat them though, because keep in mind, an elephant's a vegetarian, so it's just going <laughs> to leave the chicken for right. something else. But then they're going to start picking at the elephant's legs. Yeah. And how sensitive is an elephant in their, like, feet? Well, I don't know. Like, they're eventually going to feel it. And then are the, is it going to sit down? Like, is the elephant going to, like, sit down because the feet hurt? And then, like, the chicken can, like, come after them even more? Like, what? there's just so many factors going into it. Okay, I feel like we're getting way too far into this question. <laughs> it's going to be clearly about chickens and elephants. But... I'm, I'm putting a million. That's my underestimated guess. If we can make a video game behind it, we can test it out. But another another problem another day. <laughs> Did you say we can make a video game behind it? Kill an Honestly, elephant with chickens? Think about like, like how many licks does it take? Yeah, it's like the center of a tootsie pop. But how many chickens does it take to take down kill an elephant? Exactly. But we don't want to do that because elephants are endangered. Yes, they are. Endangered species. Yeah. My favorite animal. So, Love elephants. Elephants are so cute. They're so cute. I feel like they'd be really good cuddlers because they're just, they seem like gentle giants. Well, I, I think I've, so the last time I went to India, I was 18 years old. I fed an elephant bananas. Just like the exact banana. You don't even have to take it out. It will peel it for itself and eat it. <laughs> or it'll spit out the peel at you. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was hungry. I gave it an entire like six pack and it was empty in um, like five seconds. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, no. I think I wrote one as a kid though. That was kind of cool. I don't remember it, but cool anecdote to say. Wow. I miss, I know the circus is like a no-go thing anymore, but I remember when I was a kid and we went, like the elephants just were like my favorite part because they would just like stand up on the little stoop and I'd be like, oh my God, it's so cute. But yeah, circuses are no more. Yeah. We are not stating an opinion on them. Okay. <laughs> this is not a yay or nay for a circus. I'm just saying in my past experience from going to one when I was like five. Okay. Don't want to hurt anybody. Okay. okay. Well, moving on from chickens and elephants, because I feel like a million is just what we're going to go with. <laughs> if you have something else or just another weird question that you want us to attempt to take an answer or to give an answer for, let us know. We will try to answer them <laughs> if we think that we deem them appropriate. We'll, we'll think logically about this and try to take it to just a whole new level. I think we'll, we'll go for another like few minutes. 
I think this was kind of like a thing that came up this week. And I think it was coming up as I was talking to people. And just what is your thinking, Jenny, on materialistic behaviors in our society today? How do you view it? And like, what do you think of how people react to it? Um, I think of the phrase keeping up with the Joneses when I think of materialism. Because to me, it's always about, I see, not me personally, but like someone sees another person that has this like brand new phone or something else that's really not necessary because like their phone was working, it was fine, but they want it because this other person has it. So it's like, because someone else has it or because someone else is like showing off this new item or this materialistic thing that now this now I have to have it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that basically stems what materialism is because it's like wanting what other people have. And like, it, it's like, it's a waste of money. <laughs> it's such a waste of money. If you don't need it, like, because you don't see yourself really using it or if you're replacing something that's not even broken, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, if it ain't broke, don't replace it. Like, there's just, there's not a need. I feel that. I feel that. You're right. I do agree with you. I think we see it, especially in our age demographic, we're very materialistic in nature. Um, don't get me wrong. I did buy Kitty Cooler the, the other day just because I like the brand. And like, I think it was necessary because I do road trip a lot. So I want to get something that I could use on road trips. But I found that as a need. It wasn't like materialistic in nature because if I want to go materialistic, I could have bought the $600 one and just not cared. Because that would have been like, I'm just going to splurge and not care about like, cost and like not understand the benefit because I look at it as a long-term investment but I also see people that go let's say like we're going shopping right there'll be the people that go to the Macy's, Kohl's, JCPenney's, Nordstrom's okay versus going to like the Nordstrom's, Gucci like any of the like top tier versus middle tier when you can buy like 20 yeah, you can buy like 20 clothes at like Macy's, Kohl's and like JCPenney and then you'll buy like two at like Gucci, Nordstrom. Even I consider Nike in that top tier too, because it's more expensive than like compared to the rest. Like you'll go spend that and then you'll be like, oh, I don't have enough clothes. So I'm able to buy again because you want that brand. You're buying for that materialistic brand because you want to stick out. It's a very materialistic behavior. Like I'm wearing Nike. I, I got the swagger. I got the clout, et cetera. Like we're in this such a bad mindset that we're like, I can get the same Nike brand, like a different brand for like 10 times cheaper and the same quality material. Just because right. like, it's a brand. It's a brand recognition. And that's you pay for the name. Exactly. Exactly. Some things I agree you should buy for the name just because of like quality. Like, don't get me wrong. There are some things that quality does trump cost in some regard. Like if I'm buying like a, let's say I'm buying a phone, I'm not gonna like go out of my way to buy something that's not Samsung or like Apple because of the quality of the phone. Like people don't usually come out of the two brands because like they bring a lot of quality to the table. We're not going to go buy like Motorola, like no shot at Motorola, but like no one's going to go buy a Motorola phone just because they know the quality of the phones and they want to get something that lasts more than just a year and a half, two years. I think that's, that drives the materialistic behavior because we want to be the best in society, as you were saying, like we want to buy all the tech and just stay up to date with everyone else. Cause the new iPhone came out. We got to get the new iPhone just because it came out every year. That's not how your life should operate. Right. Well, and I think it's like with shoes, you bring up an interesting point because you, you have your main, your top brands like Nike, Adidas, 
whatever else there is. I really only wear Nike and Adidas, so I can't really say anything. But I don't even go to like those stores. I literally go to like Kohl's and I buy them for like 60 bucks and they last me like three years. And now that I rotate my shoes, so I don't wear them every day, but like they're made with good quality. So I understand buying the the name for that, for the quality. But for clothes, I'm sorry, I don't need like a Ralph Lauren shirt or like Vera Wang pants. Like I'll literally buy the generic brand. Give me that. I do the same thing with my groceries. I mean, groceries aren't really materialistic, but like I don't need the fancy brands. Like you're going to wear it and then what? Do you rewear it? Do you like just like wear it once and they're like, okay, I'm done. Like, Shit like that. I mean, you're telling me you don't want a filet mignon like every week for like dinner? Like, come on now. Like, that's so fucking expensive. (laughs) God. Oh, no. Plus, I feel like I would just be sick of it. It's like a rarity. Do you know what I mean? At least for me, because like, yeah. Maybe because I, I'm not rich. I don't enjoy the finer things in life. Bolivian wasn't normal on my table every <laughs> night. But, like, to me, that's, like, a specialty thing that I'll get when I go out to eat at a nice place, like, once every year. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It's not common. No, that's why I, I buy my, my clothes Black Friday shopping. Cheapest day of the year. <laughs> and I feel like, okay, depending upon how you grew up and, like, how much money you have determines the scale at which you buy things at. But I feel like for the average person, it's like, we don't need these things, but we want to get them and make our like our money even tighter because we want to keep up with everybody else because we see everybody posting on social media and flashing their like fancy new cars or their like bougie phones and like clothes. It's just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to unfollow everybody on social media. <laughs> like, like, it's just not necessary. But because we have this, like, underlying need to fit in, it's like, that's what we do. Yeah, no. It's it's a weird age we live in. I think it changed when we were younger. We were not as materialistic. But I think with phones, technology, social media, because, like, social media really didn't come from, I think, in a, like, a presence probably till like, we were 12 or 13. So, like, I remember the days where I'd just go outside or go to someone's front door to, like, play, like, like go outside and hang out with them. I'd have to go out to their, like, dr- like walk to their house and just knock on their door. Like, we didn't use phones back then. And I think it's so bad that we rely on them so hard. Like, I've gone, I think I looked at my phone this week. It was, like, I'm down, like, 20% this week. And it wasn't because I was working from home all week. It was because I just didn't think I needed my phone as much. I kind of put a presence on, like, I'm going to throw music on and then I'm going to use my laptop as my music. I don't even need my phone. I just put my phone upside down and not respond. And then people were like, oh, why are you slow responding? I'm like, because I'm just focused. I'm really trying to take some time away from my phone. I, that drove less materialistic behaviors. I was like thinking about it. I'm like, I can save more money. Don't eat out as much. Focus on spending time with your family, your friends, and et cetera. And like, I felt like more normal. Like, I felt like I wasn't heavily dependent. Like, yes, the weekends, we do depend on our phones a lot more just because, like, if you're not going out, you're like, what's going on with my friends? What are they doing this weekend? Like, I get that. Don't get me wrong. But it drives more materialistic behaviors, I think, on the weekend just because we're on our phone so much. And that's the worst thing we possibly are facing 
as a generation, we're losing our money just because of our own habits and social media's influence on us. I definitely see that. Definitely see that. I was on my phone less this week as well. And I literally was not on social media. I wasn't looking at ads that were trying to sell me things like clothes. So it's just like, it's kind of nice. It was so nice. So, yeah, that's that's our little spiel on materialism. <laughs> Let us know yeah. what you think. Yeah, want us to talk about it more? Let us know. Kind of break it down even more and just kind of really hone in on like different things, like where materialism kind of plays a role in your life more than you know it, and like how you can slowly push it out of your life too if you want to really focus on yourself. Yeah, definitely. Like we got our last segment coming up, Jenny. It's all you. Take it away. Oh yes, I totally forgot. We got to do the Nashville. What are we calling it? I keep I forgetting. Know. I don't know. Just make a new title every week. I think it's our new style. We're just gonna Nashville must-sees. Nashville must-eats. Must-eats. Must-go-tos. I don't know. I'm not good. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so where I'm taking you today is a suburb outside of Nashville, actually, called Franklin, Tennessee. Um, I actually... The internship I brought up earlier, a coworker of mine came down for a cousin's wedding and we had actually met up for lunch there. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, it's good to see a friend. And then also I get to rate this place on how well it is. So it's a place called Scouts Pub in Franklin, Tennessee. Now, getting to this place was interesting because there's construction. So that was fun. As we all know, as most of our listeners probably living in Wisconsin, Chicago, understand that construction sucks. And there's really only two seasons in the Midwest, winter and construction. So this place, Scouts Pub, is it's actually really good. I'm not going to lie. I had the sandwich called the brisket tacos. Yes, tacos are considered a sandwich here, Okay to each their own I don't know anyway so they had some like Korean barbecue brisket some onions um smoked gouda cheese cilantro and chipotle sweet potato crema don't ask me what that is I don't know but I'm pretty sure it's like a sauce anyway um it's actually really good it was a really nice balance between fresh and a little bit of kick from like the barbecue and the, um, the Chipotle sweet potato crema. Um, so I'd give the food like a like an eight. It was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. And we also had this like cheesy flatbread that wasn't overly cheesy or soggy. Like it was actually decent. Um, the hospitality, like the server was very nice. He, he had such a good country accent. I loved it. Oh, but... I think this place, I would probably give it like a nine. I didn't get anything to drink here because I was just driving such a long distance. Like it was like 25, 30 minutes, but I didn't want to even take a chance on drinking. Plus it was, it's just, it didn't feel like brunch time. You know, I was like, oh, I can't have a brunch drink with this food. So 
yeah, I mean, it, I think it's like a nine out of 10. It was actually really good. The people were friendly and the space was really, really nice. It had a good atmosphere. So yeah, that is our place on Nashville Eats, et cetera, whatever else title we use um, in Franklin, Tennessee called Scouts Pub. And that's it for me. I have finito, finish, done. <laughs> I guess it's that time where I continuously push you guys as we're closing out. Give us a follow on Spotify, Instagram. Uh, we appreciate it. it. Shows us that you guys are appreciating what we're giving out. Give us ideas, suggestions, anything you want us to talk about. As we said in our opening episode, we are an open book. We will try to talk about everything if we can. <laughs> we feel like it's appropriate enough to bring up on a podcast. On Instagram, it's at THFMMP. So follow us on there. Spotify, we post constantly. So make sure you put your notifications tab on so you see that we're posting. It's always a great way to know that we're releasing new content. We try to do this every week. I know last week we didn't. That was on me. I was traveling, so I was kind of busy. I came back late on a Sunday night, so it doesn't help when you're going to work Monday morning (laughs) and trying to record. So we're trying to get these out every week to you. So we appreciate it. Keep on We're adults now, so we yeah. don't we have really missing lives with work. It sucks. Keep being positive. We appreciate you guys. Uh, stay keep that mental health good. Get outside. Don't stay inside. I know winter months are coming, but even with snow or wherever you are in the world, you can get out there. Like it's beautiful regardless of where you're at. And yeah, close out. Thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate it. Thank you. I will, before we close completely, I just want to say, when you do submit questions, you can submit questions to either of us directly. Like, it just doesn't have to be, like, overall, like, overarching questions. So anything you have, if we deem it appropriate, like, at our shed, we will talk about it. We are open books. So go ahead, Adarsh, close us out. Thanks, guys. Save you. Like, be yourself this week. And the next time we hear you, hopefully it's next week. So, adios.